This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Welcome to Politics is Everything, the podcast of the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia. This is the Crystal Ball edition. I'm Kara Ongwele. And I'm Miles Coleman. So, Miles, this week you look at state voting trends compared to the national popular vote in presidential elections since the year 2000. I wonder if you can talk about how individual states have been voting in relation to the nation as a whole in the last two decades. Yes, so that's something I've been thinking about really since the 20 election. Even though Joe Biden won in 2020, the kind of Republican bias of the Electoral College got a bit stronger. So ever since then, I've been thinking about how states vote in relation to the national popular vote. What I mean by that is if you line up every state on a continuum from most Democratic to least Democratic or most Republican to least Republican, you're basically saying that same thing. Where does the national popular vote in fall? In Biden's case, he won 306 electoral votes. He won the total national popular vote by four and a half points. But if you look at the states that he carried, but did worse than his national popular vote margin, there are quite a few. After the 2016 election, there was all this talk about how Donald Trump really broke through what the Democrats called their blue wall in the Midwest. What I've been saying since the election is Biden's plugged up that blue wall. He didn't win it by the types of margins that Obama did, but he still did just enough to carry those states. All three of Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin fall under that category of they went for Biden, but not by as much as his national margin. Compare that to someone like Al Gore. All three states, I believe, were either right around his national margin or were Democratic. But Biden also, you know, some of those other states that he won but were very close, Georgia, Arizona, uh, and Nevada. So what that means is one sort of implication of that is, theoretically, if Republicans tied Democrats in the national vote, you would expect them to pick up those six states. That's 79 electoral votes. That would have been enough to give Donald Trump another term. I get that this is a little theoretical because with our current coalitions, basically Democrats racking up a ton of votes in California and New York and Illinois, Republicans don't really have any incentive to narrow those states because they're going to vote blue anyway. So they don't have a ton of reason to, at least theoretically, to compete in the national popular vote. But to me, that was a difference if you look at Biden's coalition versus, say, Obama's. Obama in 2012 won by about the same national popular vote as Biden did. But most of the marginal states in 2020, Iowa, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Colorado, even then was a little more of a swing state. They all voted more Democratic than the national popular vote. So Biden had six states that, that he carried, but less than his national popular vote margin. Obama only had two, Florida and Ohio. If he had lost those, those are still big states. If the electoral vote votes for it, he would have still had 285 electoral votes, which is average 270. 
one other example I'll use on this and then I'll stop is John Carrick in 04. Even though he lost, he had actually a pretty efficient electoral coalition. Kerry lost the national popular vote by three points around that. If he had just come a point or two closer in Ohio, he wins says Ohio, that could have gotten him enough electoral votes to win the presidency, even though he lost the popular vote. He had wondered what our discourse today would be around abolishing the electoral college if it was Kerry who won that year. I've been thinking how states relate to the national popular vote, how every state leans. When I say lean, it's this is how states deviation from whatever the national popular vote is. Essentially, what you have done is you've started with the national popular vote, and then you're seeing how each state has voted in relation to the national popular vote and how then it has trended from from 2000 to 2020. So have they got are they voting or Democratic or less Democratic since 2000. We're going to dive into that. And you find that no state has been within five points of the national popular vote in each of the past six presidential elections, except for Pennsylvania. So we can spend a little bit more time on Pennsylvania because that's an interesting case, even though it has taken a slight Republican lean relative to that national popular vote. So you this week, you break it down into two different regions, the North and the South. So why don't we start with the North, which includes Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Vermont. How have those states been going and what is one of the key highlights from your findings? Yes, New England is not just New England, but the Northeast is more of a blue election in presidential elections. That's been the case for most of this last 20 years. I found some interesting patterns when it came to the selection of vice presidential nominees. I thought it was interesting that in 2000, Connecticut, even though it usually is a blue state, it leaned most Democratic relative to the national vote in, two, in 2000. Who happened to be the Democratic vice presidential nominee was Joe Lieberman, who had a long career in Connecticut politics. Similar type of thing in 2008 with Joe Biden being the vice presidential elect choice from Delaware. That's when Delaware deviated most to the left of the national popular vote. And I thought, that Delaware leaned more Democratic in the Obama era than it does now when Biden was actually on the ballot himself. I think that may speak to some of the polarization we're seeing. It's um, one of the key sewing states we talked about earlier was Pennsylvania. And yes, it is. No state has voted within five points of the whole nation within no saying that the nation has voted within five points of the national popular vote uh, in all six of these elections since 2000, but Pennsylvania does come the closest. So it voted like 5.0005 left of it in 2000. You know, we can basically say it's in the, it's in there, I guess. But uh, Pennsylvania seems so, seen some very interesting trends. It's out in Western Pennsylvania. That used to be a blue-collar Union Democratic area, the area around Pittsburgh. The kind of, we call it the Philadelphia collar around around the largest city in the state that used to be more Republican area. 
it's that area has moved more Democratic. Western Pennsylvania has moved more Republican. So it's had this interesting kind of equilibrium that it's it's uh, sustained internally. But you, in these past few elections, Pennsylvania has taken on so, so slight Republican lean compared to the rest of the nation. Gotten you know, Joe Biden again won by four and a half points overall. He only won Pennsylvania by a point, so that puts Pennsylvania three or so points to the to the right of the national vote. So. You, Democrats can still win, obviously, but it's it's drifted a little rightwards in terms of its national weight. So just a couple things for our listeners, and there'll be a link, of course, as always, in the episode notes to the full analysis by Miles. But one thing that I just thought was really interesting was looking at Maine and New Hampshire, which have actually trended more Republican to the national average in 2016 but then returned to being more Democratic-leaning in 2020. So there there might be some interesting things going on there in terms of those as, highlighting those as states where we saw some voters maybe cross over and vote for Trump in 2016, but then return and vote Democratic in 2020. Yes, and something I'll say on that is just as a general note on the tables you'll see in our articles as well, I'm not saying this makes the analysis that this puts any asterisks next to it or anything, but everything in my article is two-party. Maine and New Hampshire sometimes have a very high third-party vote, especially in 2016. So, you know, that's something to consider. I'll give you one story. So I was up in New Hampshire after the 2016 election. I was giving a presentation at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics up in the Manchester area. And... To get there from our hotel, we had to go across town and our bus driver was like, okay, that building on your right is Trump's campaign office in New Hampshire. And he used office singular. That was his only office. He already had 30 across the state. But Trump ended up coming close that year. Biden, when he was on the ballot in 2020, really improved with more secular, college-educated white voters. There are a lot of those in New England, especially in a state like New Hampshire. New Hampshire famously voted for George Bush in 2000. You had John had Al Gore carry New Hampshire, would have been president. It's voted Democratic in every year since, but it's, it only leaned Republican in 2016. Maine is an interesting case in that Maine, as most of our listeners are as most of our listeners probably know, Maine splits its electoral college. So this is something I've written about a lot is back in 2000, I didn't really get into this in the piece, but one of the big trends is Maine, its first congressional district around Portland, and then its second district is the rural northern part of the state. For the longest time, those voted about equally. In 2016, why Trump came so close in Maine is he really got a big margin in that rural northern Maine death district job. It cast less, it cast fewer votes than that Portland district, which is why Hillary carried Maine. Biden, even though he, even though Maine had a pretty decent snap back to the, that Democratic side in 2020, Biden still lost that second district up in rural Maine, which to me speaks to how big his gains were around the Portland area. So like Pennsylvania, there's some interesting stuff going on under the hood in these states. 
Maybe we should talk a little bit more about Pennsylvania now then. Uh, the Keystone State is clearly trending away in the national, po- relative to the national popular vote. The Keystone State is very clearly trending, voting more Republican since 2000. Although I do want to say one of the things that surprised me in your analysis was that you found that Kerry has been the best. John Kerry was one of the best performing Democrats in Pennsylvania in the last 20 years. And the reason why that surprised me is because he had been so heavily characterized in those campaigns as out of touch uh, with regular voters and especially the working class. And yet he was the Democrat that has done really well there. But let's talk a little bit more about Pennsylvania and then we'll move on to the South. One of the things that you'll see if you come to the Center for Politics is we have a ton of political memorabilia around. Uh, so this weekend I was at a political button convention and one of the guys I was talking to was from Pennsylvania, a long time, long time a political observer there. And I thought this is why I mentioned Kerry being a member of the Heinz family. He's in 2004, when John Kerry like first came to Pennsylvania, he didn't get a very good crowd. But the next time he brought his wife along and there was like a packed house. I thought that was an interesting story that kind of goes with this. And I think that John Kerry's strength in Pennsylvania was even more notable because this is something I didn't get into the article into in the article, but if I'm correctly in about 2002 or so, George W. Bush put in a steel tariff, which isn't something you would normally see from a Republican, at least pre-Trump, right? So gee, I wonder what kind of voter that would be aimed at. So it's, I think Kerry found this happy medium where he was still competitive and a lot of the Republican trending areas of Southwestern Pennsylvania and Northeastern Pennsylvania, but those counties around Philadelphia, like Montgomery or Chester, those were starting to move more democratic. One, one of the other things that kind of surprised me about Pennsylvania after 2020 is that, okay, working class Joe was going to do better in a lot of rural Pennsylvania than Hillary Clinton did. That wasn't always the case. So there are definitely some surprises like that here and there. So let's talk about the other region that you looked into, which is the South. And it will probably come as no surprise to our listeners <laughs> that by and large states in the South, including Alabama, including Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, West Virginia, have by and large been voting more Republican relative to the national popular vote in the last two decades, with the exception of our home base here in Virginia, which is uh, really being only state has crossed over into Democratic territory, although Georgia has also been voting a little bit more Democratic, as has North Carolina. So those are a little bit, relatively speaking to the rest of the region, might be more states in play or competitive relative to the rest of the region. So talk with us a little bit about some of these trends in the southern states and anything that stands out to you from your analysis. As you said, our home Commonwealth of Virginia is the is the sole outlier in the South, at least as of now. But going back to 2000, it didn't always used to be like that. It was one of the it was about in the middle of the southern states in terms of its 
Republican lean. Just a little bit of a backstory here. So I talk about in 2000 and 2012, basically the Obama years. I say in the article that Virginia was in sort of a spell weather era where it was really tracked very closely with the national vote. And I got that term because my sister is a big fan of Taylor Swift. And she was telling me the other day about all of, Ta all of Taylor Swift's eras. So like, this is for Judge's bellwether era. Yeah. So it's, but anyway, ever since then, it's gone markedly left of the national popular vote. Joe Biden bought in, in 2020 got it to be almost six points left of the national popular vote. We'll see if it keeps trending that, that way. I've been saying this since 2020, if not earlier, that I think the 2000 election screwed up people's priors about Florida because we all remember that recount being so close. Al Gore, if you look at the Democrats who have come afterwards, really would have not had any business come coming that close in Florida. That's another state where I think Joe Lieberman, there's a decent Jewish population in Florida. I think his selection may have had some weight there. Yeah, yeah I know Florida ever since 2000, I think has been, yeah, you know, has been within five or so points more Republican than the national vote. There is, as an aside, because I thought it was interesting, since we're talking about Florida, is one of the other great podcasts out there is called the Pro Politics Podcast mm -hmm. by a pollster named Zach McCrary. He'll take in all types of guests who work in politics. But anyway, he was, he was, he had an inter interview recently with Mark Melman, who, veteran pollster in democratic politics, some very interesting. His stories, but he was John Kerry's chief pollster in 2004. And Zach was asking him about his kind of strategy. And Mark Melman was like, okay, us. Melman was originally from Ohio. And he was like, I was pushing to put more emphasis on Ohio, but the campaign really wanted to put more focus on Florida. And I told Zach, Zach, wait. Kerry lost Florida by five points, but he only barely lost Ohio. Why would they not want to put more, have put more focus in Ohio? And I think he's right. He had a good response. He's like, these campaigns, to some extent, are always fighting yesterday's war. So I thought that was very interesting. And you no, know, maybe if Kerry had focused more on Ohio, we would have picked up on Florida being a more Republican-leaning state earlier because it would have presumably leaned a bit more right if it had less uh, resources. But anyway, I, th I thought that was a very interesting point on Florida. Florida is now, as of 2020, leans more Republican than North Carolina. Back when I was first getting into politics in 2012, I wasn't into it a few years by then, then I suppose, but I always thought that bought that Obama would hold North Carolina, but lose Florida. So the kind of the opposite that happens. I'll back up a little bit and say that one of our followers on Twitter, a guy named Ryan Brune from Ohio, a very sharp analyst. Anyway, he was like, one criteria that successful Democrats have met in the 20th century presidential elections is carrying at least two ex-Confederate states. For Obama, it was Virginia and Florida with North Carolina in there that first time, which um, 
just a North Carolina Democrat. You have to, to, to feel for him because it's ever since Obama flipped that state in, 20, in 2008, it's basically been parked like six points more Republican than the national vote. Always just a little out of range for him. We'll see if that changes next time. Biden, is in, in his case, what he added in terms of a southern state was Georgia. And Georgia, I think today, we'll see how it ends up, ends up being. It's, I think Biden could have a decent chance of holding Georgia in 2024, especially if Donald Trump is a nominee. Because it seems like, you know, if you, if you looked at some of the Republican primaries last week, I was about to say last week, last year in Georgia, there are a lot of Georgia Republicans who might not even like Trump. But one statistic I like to throw around, which I mentioned in this article, was George W. Bush was the only Republican to ever carry Georgia twice. I'm sh had Jimmy Carter not been from there, I'm sure Ronald Reagan would have, but it is what it is. I think 04 was the around the height of Republican power in Georgia, but ever since the, ever since the Trump era, it's been more competitive. In 2020, it was about four points more Republican than the national vote. But in 2004, it was more like 14 or 15. So some pretty decent movement in Georgia. Miles, thank you so much for coming up with this analysis to compare how states are trending relative to the national popular vote and sharing your analysis on the North and the South. And we look forward to this as a series and learning what's happening in the Midwest and also out West. Yeah, sure. This was a very interesting article and I'm looking forward to what we find in the other regions as well.